most people don't take stock of their lives when everything's going great. Nobody goes on the internet like, hey, just want to let everybody know things are fine today. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Woke so, up, I just had some breakfast. It's good. I wonder if that person does. Everybody thinks that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, back. Quit bragging. <laughs> Nobody cares about your amazing life, Steve. Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 85 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm the node swarmer. Node swarmer? Yeah, man. He's the node swarmer. What are you going to do? I'm Sam. And today is February 7th, (laughs) 2017. Uh, Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There will be profanity. There's going to be all kinds of other crap, too. So if you don't like hearing about things, then just get out. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Big week. Yeah. Last week, we invented time. We did. Uh, it didn't exist, and then we invented it. So let's talk about I, that. I honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, Adam Adam took a week off last week, as as our listeners may recall. There were many things that happened while I was gone, and apparently one of those things was the invention of time. <laughs> yeah, and while while Adam was gone, Sam and I were working on the next game. Well, it's actually that we, we, we felt so lost that we needed to figure out a way to somehow mark the duration that Adam was gone. Yeah. yeah. So we so came we, up with this concept. This, this thing called time. <laughs> and uh, the, the way that, all right, so here's what really happened is we were working on the next game and we're working on a farming system mm-hmm. and we're going down our checklist. Okay. You got to be able to buy seeds. All right, done. Buy seeds. Okay. Now you have the seeds. Now you got to be able to put, put them in the put dirt. The seed in, in the dirt. Okay. We'll put the seed in the dirt. And then the next thing on the checklist is, okay, the seeds have to grow. And Sam and I looked at each other and we're like, how the fuck do seeds grow? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we started having the conversation about, you know, we wanted it to be the case that we could convey that these seeds are growing over a matter of days, but we didn't want it to be the case that it took actual days for the seeds to grow. So we're like, hmm, this is confusing because if we say it takes 10 days. But those aren't human But they're days. not real, actual, normal days, then we have a, we have a problem. So like, we, obviously we need to just come up with a new type of time mm-hmm. that, that sort of is a stand-in for the passage of time on planet Wonope. Mm-hmm. So- Here's what hap- Here's where we landed. All right. So one day on Wonope is called a spin. A spin lasts okay. for 20 Earth minutes. Okay. Uh, uh huh. So that's so, a full day night cycle. That's a full day. Sunsets. Wait, is this, is this supposed to be sort of like a, a metaphorical time system, or is this actually what this is time actual like time? Wonope? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so a rad. This is conveniently a lot like what a game world would be like. Yes. Okay. It's very convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a rad daddish, for example, may take, Wait, you is know, this a plant? It's a plant. Okay. Uh, so that may take, you know, 10 spins to grow. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, so, okay. So then a month on Wonope is called an arc. Sure. Okay. okay. And an arc takes 72 spins or one earth day. Okay. okay. Got it. Sure. <laughs> there are, there are 21 arcs in a rev. Uh huh. Which is a rev is a Wonope year, which lasts sure. for three Earth weeks. Okay, got it. Okay, so one year on Wonope is broken up into three general sort of phases, each of which is one week long on Earth. Uh, and the the arcs are named after the phases. Hmm. So, for example, the first the first uh, seven arcs of a rev. Uh, they all end in Uary, okay, uh-huh. January, February, etc. Sure. So, so for example, um. Uh, this upcoming Sunday is going to be Unuary. Okay. Uh, not just one Uary? No, yeah. Unuary. Unuary. Um, then next Monday will be Wikuary, and then Boguary, sure. and then Miduary, then Marluary, then Duskuary, then Finuary. Just the final <laughs> arc. Yeah. Okay. Of that cycle. Uh-huh. So this is obvious, right? Yeah. And then. <laughs> Very predictable. So it's just a matrix. So what we do is the first, that first week uh, of our time, those first seven arcs all have uh, a particular prefix according to which one they are in succession. So mm-hmm. number one, number five, whatever. And then all have a particular suffix depending on which, uh, which week it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that means, so, so right now today we'll is bog ember because the third, the third uh, set of arcs ends in ember. Right. Uh-huh. So, so tomorrow is going to be mid ember because it'll be a Wednesday. Sure. You know, so, <laughs> so it all makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. Um, 
The best and, part about this is so a, a spin is 20 minutes. And it just so happens, you know, we, we listened to the song uh, Fuck Everything by John LeJoey. <laughs> and he talks about uh, one of the lyrics is an hour is too long. It should be half an hour at most. Yep. And we kind of agreed with this. And then now that we've made our own time. Um, now we can say, I'll be, hey, I'll be back in two spins. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> is about really 40 great. minutes. Yeah. You know? So being, you know, saying, I think it'll take me about a spin or so. Um, Seth and I have started communicating in this in this time. Yeah, so, you know, a quarter spin office. is five minutes. Yeah. You know, a half spin is 10 minutes. A mm-hmm. spin is 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe we should call it a lickety splin. Yeah. Lickety splin. <laughs> lickety spin. So, yeah, so we, so we, a lot of last <laughs> week minute. was spent sort of what coming about a spin up. It? Spin it. Ooh, yeah. What, I don't know what that's that would a, be. That's a 120th of a spin. It's a fifth of a, or yeah, 5% of a spin, one minute. Yeah. yeah. So, so we invented this and now we've gone back and then we, we added the day night cycle to the game and there's a calendar and the calendar is based on real time. Cause like we talked about earlier in the podcast, we want it to be the case that, you know, if it rains in my game, it rains in everybody's game. If it's winter in my game, it's winter in everybody's game. And so we actually needed a universal time system that was based on a standardized clock. So it's not going to be the case that, for example, like when you play Crashlands, if it's 8 a.m. in your game, who knows what time or day it is in somebody else's game? Because you have totally what, separate uh, things. What rev is everything? Like, what rev is it? Right, right now, now it's rev one. Because mm-hmm. time just started. Shouldn't yeah. time started like a long time ago nah. in the no. game world, though? Well, the the idea here is that by the time we finish the game, who knows what rev it's going to be? Because <laughs> so, time continues but I mean, to pass. Yeah, but if we're looking back, if, if the whole idea is like we're starting off at some point... It might be like an history. AD sort of situation because this is this is post the events of Crashlands. Yeah, we, we uh, might just go ahead and, and just like add a thousand to the. So revs. somehow Crashlands yeah. is so has such a dramatic impact on everything. No one's like, let's just reset. It's sort of like after yeah. Hugo, you know. Ah, <laughs> so PH post Hugo, post Hugo, yeah, or AH. Uh, yeah, so we invented time. You know, this then, reminds me of that uh, that old saying: if you want to if you want to make an omelet, you have to invent time. You have to invent the concept of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, how long are you going to cook it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, how uh, did you know? So then we also <laughs> added these moons that are cycling around mm-hmm. around the planet, and there are four moons, and each moon has its own uh, unique orbit orbital time. And depending on what moon is at the peak, you will experience different types of night. So there's a black moon that when that thing is at the top, then the night is pitch black for that night. Because yeah. it's like a, it's like a disc. Super like blocking at, it's, it's like so absorbing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It absor- it's like a black hole, but a moon. Sure. And so is you've got that, you've got a like, a, hole, like a, a red hole. moon. Just like a real little one. Yeah. They have to be really little. Um, yeah. So we have all these different moons. And then what we want to do is when the moons line up, then interesting things happen. And we did the math on it. And any any two moons, based on their orbits, um, any two moons will line up uh, once, you know, between every like 50 to 150 spins. So every, you know, cu- couple of days. Any three moons line up, you know, every few weeks to a couple mm-hmm. months. But for all four moons to line up at the same time, it would take like 4.2 years. Yeah. And since night only lasts for five minutes, we got to have something really special <laughs> because that means like four years from now, all four moons will line up and it won't happen again for another four years. Something crazy is going to happen. So something crazy is going to happen. We don't know what, but it's going to be super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have that event check with the server to make sure it actually is that time because somebody yes. just set their clock to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll we'll have regular server check-ins to yeah. keep those hackers out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so time we invented hacker. time, which was super cool, and we also, and as far as like the day-night cycle goes, we swiped the lighting system from Crashlands and then re-engineered it so that it can now handle things like sunsets and sunrises. But when the sun rises, now it it's kind of the the world has kind of a reddish glow to it, and we bring in different light channels and and pull other light channels out or color channels um, depending on time of day, and so we have all this cool. Cool yeah. stuff happening. We've also been fiddling around with just a little bit of bloom too. Um, Cause again, we're trying to just take, add a few more layers and take up the overall visual quality and uh, having a few of these sort of screen wide shaders is something that's going to be hard or impossible to pull off on mobile because of a lack of GPU, but um, we're not just a mobile studio anymore. So mm-hmm. um, we're looking at other ways to fancy up, fancy up what these things look like um, and have them be toggleable. So you can slap them on and off and make things look really pretty. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know how how well Bloom goes on a 2D black outline uh, vector art. Look pretty nice. But we're, gonna, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're just going to make it go. And yeah, we also have mean? some really exciting news, yeah. which is our new artist has arrived. Tifa. Tifa. 
Mm-hmm. So today's her, as of the podcast right now, today's her second day mm-hmm. and we just threw her into the deep end and got her all hooked up with all the different, you know, accounts she has to know how to use and programs she may have never seen before. And, um, she's using a mouse to do art, which, yeah. which is Sam's style. And anytime we talk to artists, they're, they're always like, how, why, how could you, how Especially could you do this? Now they've got that vertical mouse going on. Everyone's like, what? It's extra hilarious. Yeah. So Sam's doing? using a vertical mouse. Um, <laughs> And so, but I mean, you know, Satifa's credit, she came in and she was like, you use a mouse to do this. I'm going to use a mouse to yeah, do this. Yeah, I didn't tell her. I was just like, okay. She just, she just owned she it. She took so, ownership of this. Yeah. So she's been, she's been crushing it. She actually made a, made another character class for the next game uh, already yesterday. So getting all that stuff put in. Wait, is that, that thing's a character class? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. to play as it. <laughs> It's what? a shalok. We want a small, we'll keep it our wraps. Oh. <laughs> Some of you... Some of you will know some that very word small is. few of you will know what that is. What a shalok uh, is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you remember how we came up with the name of shalok? Because <laughs> I tried to type what clamshell. Clam clam. I think I tried to type clamshell, and my hands were like off by a key on the keyboard. And somehow he just <laughs> typed some weird ass thing. It kind of looked like shalok, and we're like, ah, whatever. That's what it is. <laughs> it's a shalok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's super exciting. We'll we'll be bringing her onto the podcast uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks once she gets all settled in and everything else. So yeah. So at, so if you have questions for Tifa, start stacking them up. Start start piling up, and we'll stockpile them, and then we'll we'll fling them her way when when uh, if she if she wants to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. which is you know it's, a, it's her prerogative. It's a, it's a personal decision. Yeah. Um, and we also played D and D last night. Oh yeah. So sure wrote a, or sure did a campaign and got everything rocking and rolling for us. And I think the thing is we've, we've talked about doing a D and D campaign for a long time, but none of us want to put in the like two days of learning about how to be a DM. Yeah. But fortunately, but sort of also, unfortunately, sure's back exploded on Friday. Yeah. We were lifting and he was doing leg press and he was fine throughout. And then like over time, and I've experienced this as well, uh, when you like sort of strain something in your back over time, over the next hour or so, he just, his back just hurt increasingly more and more. So he's kind of strained a muscle. And so he was kind of hobbling around uh, with all hunched over on Friday. And so he was like, well, if I'm going to not be able to move all weekend, I might as well just research and make a and d campaign. <laughs> So sure took the initiative to be our dungeon master. He rolled for initiative to be our dungeon master. Yeah. He did. He rolled a, a natural twenty. Well, let's just start this because, like, I always <laughs> I used to think the D and D was just the nerdiest thing. I mean, it is, but um, in a in a bad way, I guess. Back way back when, back I don't think day. I ever thought it was bad. I just literally didn't. Know I didn't what understand it was. It. right because yeah. it's it's uh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but so the whole idea is it's, it's just a set of rules that allow you to tell stories that people get to interact with. And, um, and basically all you know about modern video game RPGs comes from D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Rules wise. I mean, especially if you're looking through the spells list and then you go play World of Warcraft or something, you're like, you guys took all of these. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> seems like it should be illegal. Yeah. I play, um, I play a monk or I played a monk in World of Warcraft and I was playing a monk in D&D last night. I was like, hey, this feels exactly the same. <laughs> well, so we, uh, we decided to actually do a little bit of, you know, it's, it's more fun if people actually role play during it by throwing on different voices and stuff. Yeah. Um, so Andy's Andy's character has a, a really thick Scottish accent and, and just, just just yells, just cursing constantly, yells and swears constantly. Um, he also got both of his lungs punctured yesterday and was shooting blood out like a yeah, fountain. He just used it as a chance to obtain projectiles. Yeah. In yeah. The form of blood. <laughs> There's always a silver lining when you get stabbed in both lungs. Yeah. As they say. Uh, but I think the funniest thing that happened yesterday was that Seth is playing as Tibbly Bing Bong. Tibbly Bingle Bong. Bingle Bong. I'm a gnome mm-hmm. monk. Um, and Adam, <laughs> who is a, a lizard person. Lizard named, folk. Liz, sorry, uh, sorry. Uh, lizard folk. Named, lizard uh, folk fighter. Whoop a doop. Whoop a doop. Whoop a doop. a doop. Um, so Seth and Adam chase a goblin into the bushes. Well, mm-hmm. first we had, we had an epic showdown <laughs> where we just, not, there, so there's, there was a huge goblin called a hobgoblin. that was like the boss yeah. of this encounter. So Seth and, ran up to it. And there and, was there were six of us playing, and so four of four of our team went to take on like the smaller goblins, and Adam and I were like, we're gonna go, kill to, we're gonna go to the big one, and we just we just flattened him just right out of the gate. Well, Seth punched him in the knee super hard. I shattered both his knee. Both, <laughs> I punched him in one knee, and he was just like, I don't even care. I'm wearing armor. Then he punched him even harder in the other knee, and he and then he fell to the ground. And then yeah. Adam came over and just straight up decapitated him. Right. So um, yeah. that roll, was over roll, real like quick. a natural twenty. Yeah. So it seemed like, you know, it seemed like they're, 
this unstoppable duo, this other goblin. Good old Tibbly Bingabong and Wadoopadoo. Yeah, so this mm-hmm. other goblin uh, shoots Adam in the shoulder from the forest. Like, but only nowhere. What? But only barely. Only barely. It just, just barely just went little. completely through Adam's shoulder. Yeah. Um, and so they, Adam and, and Seth go running off into the woods to go teach this goblin what's up. And none of us can see what's going on in there. <laughs> of course, we know because we're playing D&D. Right. <laughs> so but your character doesn't know. Basically, what happened was over the course, it was like four whole rounds? Four entire combat rounds. So um, each yeah. round, in, in theory, each round lasts for six seconds in combat. So okay. if you imagine like for 24 straight seconds of the so, fight. So Adam and Seth over, so in other words, eight, eight total turns um, between the two of them. Trying to attack this goblin. Well, between the three of us, because he was trying to attack us. He was trying to attack (laughs) us, and even better, Adam and I were both dual wielding, which meant we got to attack twice each. Right. (laughs) And believe it or not, no one hit anything. (laughs) The goblin never hit us. We never hit it. (laughs) This is 16 attempts at stabbing this goblin, plus four more attempts from the goblin trying to. (laughs) Yeah. So, So out of 20 attacks in this bush... No, but we all just came out you completely. Guys, they were just cutting down trees, basically. And then uh, I think my favorite one was Adam's getting a little fed up with it, and he's like, "All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna point my dagger at him and just slowly just poke him with it. Like I'm just gonna slowly put it in, because I can't miss." And then I rolled a two. He rolled a two. <laughs> so, so Adam was like, "And I just turned it over there." And we're all we're all adopting voices and stuff, and so my story is my uh, my character's a a halfling bard um, mm-hmm. named Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. And Buddy Guy used to have a super sexy radio voice that he used to use to, you know, entertain people with. To bard with. To bard with. Uh, and he was doing a spirit-assisted ventriloquism one day, and the spirit uh, was mischievous and ran off with his voice and replaced it with this just terrible, sc- screeching, <laughs> uh, high-pitched voice. So Buddy Guy comes in, he's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this whole thing go down where uh, – Seth and Adam are in the woods, basically slap fighting with this goblin. <laughs> and then the goblin finally gives up uh, because he all just, of his friends died because the rest of our party <laughs> took, did all the other fighting while Adam and I were just slapping this goblin. For, it was incredible. Yeah. And Andy was basically dead because he got stabbed in both lungs. <laughs> so Adam and I kept, after a couple rounds of this, we started yelling, because nobody else could see. So we started yelling back toward the other party about just, oh my God, we're fighting. There's so many goblins in here. <laughs> but don't, we don't need any help. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, don't come in here. We're fine. You don't need to see anything. And then Buddy it's guy, just really amazing, though. But a guy who had been just sitting on top of an overturned carriage, crossbowing people in the face, would be like, you guys need some help over there? <laughs> and then... And then uh, Adam says, be like, no, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. You just stay over there. Keep looking the other direction. There's plenty <laughs> of action over there. And so they finally bring this, uh, this, this poor confused goblin into camp. So they capture him, bring him in, and we're interrogating him. And, uh, you know, but a guy is a soft soul. So at the end of the day, recognize this guy just lost all of his friends. And apparently, uh, like 30 of them in the woods. Yeah, we, it was a massacre. <laughs> it was a massacre. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, so says, you know, I know you, I know you lost a lot of your buddies in there, but you know, we we need your help with the, some some stuff that we're doing. And the guy's like, I I don't know what you're talking about. It was just me in the bushes. <laughs> and then and then uh, Adam and Seth are like, what? No, there's like thirty goblins in yeah, there. He didn't, he didn't about. see anything. He didn't know what he was talking. And then about. buddy guy steps in. He's like, look, I know you've been traumatized. <laughs> your memory's fading. <laughs> so we, we're trying to maintain the illusion that. Adam and I, we we have a, our characters have a bond now because we went through uh, we went through slap fight held. There's a lot lot of laughter. Yeah, weird. if you haven't played D and D before, uh, do it. I think. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But there is a problem with D and D, which is that you have a you have a good dungeon master. You gotta, well, you have to have a good dungeon master, but you also just have to put in an enormous amount of upfront work. Yeah. To go play, and if you've never done it before, everything about it is completely mysterious. So, so I mean, I like I did a used an online tool to roll my character. Because I didn't know any of the numbers meant, you know, I had yeah, no context yet. There's too many rules. There's way too many rules. Yeah, uh, and we didn't even use most of them. And there were st- actually they've got we rules. Used probably the right number. Yeah. I think. they've got rules about like how how fast your character can march versus mm-hmm. jog versus walk. <laughs> right. So it's like, okay, you know, if if you have a dungeon master who's a real stickler for the rules, they'd be like, okay, you are six point three miles from the nearest settlement. What do you do? And you're like, well, we should try to establish what kind of a marching pace we're supposed to. Get. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, so we don't get too hungry because we have to forage for food. I think the most interesting thing about it is that uh, is that combat just takes a long time. 
Yeah. Right? I mean, that the combat session ended up being probably like two an hours. hour to an hour yeah. and a half of what we were actually doing. Um, well, there were a total of eight goblins. There, there were eight goblins, goblins and six people. Yeah, so, but yeah. it's like the amount of overhead per combat moment is actually really high. Yep. Um, and sure was doing a great job as far as running it efficiently and stuff. So, it But he, he sure was also excellently embellishing the... Oh, yeah. So anytime somebody would, you know, roll a really crappy roll or something, he wouldn't just be like, you missed. He would... You know, tell some short little ditty about like how you grabbed your sword from the wrong end and like <laughs> hit him on the face with the handle or something. <laughs> so yeah, it was good. Uh, it's good. Yeah, but there are there are other RPGs, other tabletop RPGs that are less elaborate in uh, in all the upfront cost of playing. Um, I haven't played any of those either. I just know that they exist. So mm-hmm. if you're if this kind of thing sounds cool to you but you're like where the fuck i need to buy like eight books and then do infinite research online <laughs> and then use a machine to statistically roll my character <laughs> it's kind you can of just a be lot. like i'm not gonna do all of that let me just go do some research trying to find a, a just an easier startup yeah thing. this, this mean, is why video game rpgs sort of surpassed yeah. pen and paper ones because yep. that's a lot of math it takes care of all that stuff for you know, i was just using it as an opportunity to crack a lot of jokes basically so yep that's essentially what i think most well, most of us ended up using the whole story scene as is just mm-hmm. anytime you could possibly do something that's just a little weird yep then someone would be like <laughs> yeah one well, and i the knees. <laughs> i specifically rolled a gnome because of the fact that the like the racial background of the gnomes is that they don't take anything seriously and uh, they just turn everything into a joke. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to own this. So I was cracking jokes as every opportunity possible. But it was a good time. Um, speaking of Dungeons and Dragons, World of Warcraft oh, is, yeah. is <laughs> uh, which is a, it's a clone of Dungeons and Dragons as yeah, well. Really. Mm-hmm. It's letting uh, players now convert their WoW gold into Battle.net credit, which players can use in other Blizzard games. Can they use it to buy Blizzard games? Maybe? Yes. I think, yeah, I think, didn't they say it was? I don't know. I don't know. Or I don't know what the extent of, of it is. I'm pretty confident that you can use it for uh, in-app purchase type of yep. things. So basically Hearthstone packs and getting uh, equipment crates or whatever mm-hmm. in Overwatch. I don't know if it spills into StarCraft and I don't know if it spills into Diablo. Um, but really interesting. Right? Yeah. So what's what's going on here? I guess what's okay. Why in the hell would they make it such that you can convert in-game currency in World of Warcraft into? Is there a good stuff? sink I think, for currency in World of Warcraft, or do you just tend I think to? That's the problem. Well, no. So so World of Warcraft in the in the last expansion, they introduced just a, an astronomical number of um, gold uh, sources. It's like passive, but a lot of them were passive. Almost. Yeah, they were all passive. You didn't have to do anything. You just kind of like log in once a day. Oh, right, because they, they, yeah, yeah. they just get like 5,000 gold. And so the amount of inflation was just through the roof. Right, because there was yeah. more gold. And they, they introduced the concept of the WoW token, where a player can spend 20 bucks and get this thing called a WoW token. Um, and then, or sorry, a player could spend gold. Okay, yeah, you could buy a WoW token for 20 bucks. You can sell that WoW token on the auction house in exchange for gold, and somebody can redeem the token for game time. So if I'm a player and I'm like, I don't want to spend real money on this game, but I have 50,000 gold, I can buy a WoW token from somebody else, and I can redeem the WoW token to extend my subscription. Right. Right. So they already have this kind of uh, game time for for actual but goods. But it's not a... But, but that... Money is not being destroyed though; it's just being moved. moved it's being players. moved around. Yeah, yeah. So there is because no, you need to actually destroy it. Yeah, so they have that no destroy to get rid of inflation. Yeah. So yeah. presumably this is, and this is, I think it's actually a genius move because of the fact that inflation is just ludicrous in mm-hmm. WoW, and it becomes a big problem when it comes to things like items that are purchased from vendors and stuff like that. Because NPCs, their their prices don't respond to inflation in the general market. Right. The only thing that responds to inflation is is player exchanged. Right. Items. So NPC items become really cheap. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, anything you get, you know, just you can just have it. Yeah. Uh, but I found this, <laughs> even just playing like Diablo. Yeah. Um, Diablo three. Uh, money became meaningless like the moment I started playing that game. It never meant anything. Yeah. You just go because the good stuff that you can buy, you can't buy better stuff than you can find. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you don't need it anyway. And then Which you is need probably the so way little be. of it to like repair your stuff versus how much that you get. Because again, like those aren't really tied together, but the amount you get keeps on going up. So that's that enormous inflation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I think it definitely serves to de- deflate the gold yep. in World of Warcraft. But I think a bigger question is, 
what's the what's the broader implication of this system? Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't exactly know. It's a hard I think one to wrap your head I think around. you know from a from a player perspective, obviously it keeps people more entrenched in the blizzard suite of games, right? So like if I can if I can play one game and I can earn, you know, credit, then I can also start doing get redeeming items in another game. Um, right. I think the 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 downside though is that it's gonna it naturally converts all of the stuff that you do in World of Warcraft a little bit into work because of the fact that I mean think yeah. about it, you're now you're essentially being paid from your playtime in that game mm-hmm. to in get a way an overwatch crate to yeah. yeah buy stuff in other games. So well, in other yeah. words it, so that, that we've talked about this danger before about uh, setting up incentives such that things that previously you would just do become for fun work, yeah. right? Or yeah. become stripped out such that you could say, well, you know, I need to go play World of Warcraft because I got to go log into my garrison to get my 5,000 gold today so I can buy this crate in Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's weird. <laughs> that's like real weird, you know? Yep. Really weird. It is weird. And, and actually, it's, it's a feeling that, that a lot of um, WoW players were expressing. So I, I was playing around the start of this most recent expansion, and a lot of WoW players were expressing that exact feeling because of the fact that they introduced a new system where, you know, it used to be you'd have all these different pieces of equipment. So if you wanted to improve your character, you'd be like, oh, like, I'll get a shoulder. I'll, I'll, this is just a particular boss that drives these shoulder pads. I'm going to go like fight that boss and try to get him. And that's, there's enough randomness in there and there's enough interesting things happening that, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun goal to go and do. And there's a little bit of a challenge to it and stuff like that. Um, but then they switched it over so that everybody has the same weapon and everything you do in the game gives you artifact power, which charges up the power of your weapon. Uh, which means that everywhere you go, you're just kind of getting this little like drip feed of little paychecks. You know, that kind of boost the power of your weapon Mm -hmm. over time. And the biggest complaint that was coming from people, um, at least back when I was playing, was was that all of a sudden, you know, stuff that used to be interesting and fun and and have all this sort of intrigue to it now, just like everything turns into a, a just like this grind, 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 grind to make your stuff better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. Yeah. And so it's an interest it's an interesting problem. Um you know, World of Warcraft is, is I think, uh, at least in my opinion, I think Sam probably agrees as well. And I know Adam hasn't spent too much time with it, but no, very um, it's it's a game that that had a ton of stuff going for it. And I think it's starting to suffer from sort of over-design where the devs are trying to cram a lot more systems in there. They're trying to streamline things and make things far simpler. And it's just kind of reaching a point where everybody's being funneled into the same sort of like grind fest, yeah, um, which is... Not cool. Well, it's actually it's an interesting consequence, even of just having a marketplace where players can go sell their stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you go back to that that idea where if you go you go kill a boss that drops a specific kind of loot, right? And now I, as a player, don't actually even have to do that to yeah. get that same thing because I can just buy it from somebody else. Because this is the same problem that we have like with Quadrup's Rampage where you can just buy an in-app purchase that gives you all the stuff that you don't have to now go out and yeah, earn. So what you're buying is you're less just, game. Yeah, you're just, well, you're, you're basically, yeah, it's cheating effectively, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the sense that you've, well, you've cheated yourself. You know? Yeah. You've, you've just taken away some of that awesome stuff you got to go experience. Because mm-hmm. getting the, I mean, the point isn't actually the reward. You know, the point is the experience leading up to it. And that's a little cherry on top. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, and actually the, the wow token system was modeled after Eve's Eve online's uh, yeah, yeah. system. Yep. Yep. And the interesting thing with the Eve system is, um, everything you own in that game can be taken from you by somebody yeah. else. They have a and beautiful so, sink because yeah. everything can be destroyed. Things get destroyed, <laughs> things get taken. And so you'll see people come in and like, oh yeah. And they'll see somebody flying a really big fancy ship and they're like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be the person flying that huge ship. And they'll, maybe they'll drop, you know, a few hundred bucks on this, this sort of token thing that they can sell in game and like get a few billion uh, in-game currency and then buy this big ship, but they don't know how to, how to use it. Right. And they'll just wander off to some dangerous region of space. Like in the first 30 minutes of having this ship, just a bunch of people like, Hey, that's a big fancy ship. It'd be a shame if something be, happened. Yeah, and so people just pile onto it because, like, the right. bigger, the bigger, and sort of blingier your ship is, the more of a sort of challenge it is for other players right. to try to take you down. So it's a self balancing system which works well, and in a, in a more sort of a, a PVE focused game, like WoW, yeah. you just don't have that. Well, and so. It prevents the 
rampant inflation. I mean, even the fact that there are wars that break out that that just literally just just trillions destroy, of yeah, destroyed. They just destroyed enormous fractions of monetary value from the system, so that uh, and, and these things get funded by the wealthiest people in the system. So like it even re evens out kind of the the wealth, wealth distribution. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. So I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just where this goes, what mm-hmm. the player response is to it. So we'll we'll keep an eye, we'll check back in maybe like a month and kind of see yeah. what that's looking like. Yeah. Um and the last the last news item before we get to questions is and I'm not sure what this means. So I think Sam, you may have to fill this in. What did I do? I don't know. Milwaukee County re- oh, yeah. requiring <clears throat> parks permits for Pokemon? Yeah. So okay, Pokemon Go. Mean? So Pokemon Go, you know, came out a while ago. Yeah. And uh it had this weird thing we talked about a little bit as far as it's the first, it was the first sort of large establishment of a game layer on the actual world where there are so many people participating in it that Pokemon Go actually uh, could affect, like if a, for example, if a bar or business bought lures and stuff, um, this game could actually affect the economy a little bit or local economies. I remember, and, I remember people around the time it came up, people listed up uh, houses for sale. And they would list yeah. in the real estate listing that it was close to like two Pokemon gyms. Yeah. And, you know. yeah. So, um, so there's an interesting <laughs> thing happening where, uh, and some people have written about this, I believe on Gama Sutra about how, once you have this game layer established, uh, there's going to be some, some rocky problems with it because of the fact that it does influence the real world because these are people running around in the real world. Yeah, so it influences happened, the movement of people. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, for this, uh, this parks legislation that just got passed. Um, essentially there was a, a particular park that had just a shitload of Pokemon stops. And, and of course, Niantic, the company that made Pokemon go just put these, there based on one of the previous games from ingress um so they had all these stops there and it increased the traffic in the park so much um and at such odd hours of the day too that the amount of like there's just a huge amount of litter that started showing up um people were there all the time like breaking shit or trotting over grass in other words it actually caused a lot of property damage and the, the it's of course parks are funded by taxpayers and so the point they made was that the taxpayers had to shell out it's like I don't think it was, it wasn't like an, a, a huge amount of money, but it's an extra like thousand or a couple thousand dollars across a whole neighborhood to essentially keep the park clean. Um, yeah. Just because of how many people were running around in it. And so they said. But that, that is, I mean. It is the point. Those people there are the taxpayers paying for it. Maybe. Maybe. And most, extent, most people are coming, coming in from other, of, other neighborhoods or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. It depends on how local the tax yeah. is. Well, yeah. So, so, um. So the, the whole point they made was like uh, they apparently had tried to, I don't know if they tried to legally get Niantic to like give them money or something, of course, with the lawsuit uh, last, last uh, summer. We can't have nice things, guys. Yeah. Or, uh, but, but basically what happens is so they, they didn't just pass this thing where they're like, if you want to put your Pokemon stops in our parks, because it ends up causing real world consequences for us, you have to buy a, like a park permit. Well, like it's, it's kind of like your whole, it. it's like you're hosting an event. It is. Yeah. Just a, a constant, constant a permanent one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, if you have to get a permit to hold a concert in a park or mm-hmm. whatever, because of the influx of people and the extra maintenance comes with that, it weirdly does stand to reason that if you develop an app that causes, you know, an extra 50,000 people to come to a park in a few months, you know, maybe, I mean, no, this is bullshit. Maybe the purpose of a park, <laughs> the reason parks exist is so that people can go, can go to them, right? And they're sustained by by the local group. And I don't believe for a fucking second that like there are tens of thousands of people coming from outside the city limits <laughs> into some random ass yeah, fucking but, park. But it's the case that you know the, the parks are developed uh, with a particular threshold of usage. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. also with a goal. And this is the one. This is the one piece I find interesting about this whole thing because the goal of a park is not to support Pokemon Go, right? It's not. It's not a Pokemon Go playground. It's a park. And so it's kind of this question of, of usage, right? If you're using well, a park, okay. what, what would you say the goal of a park is? Just like general recreational hanging out activities. And you, and you right? would exclude. Yeah, I think I, I think really is the hard thing. I'm just saying it's it's a weird. You're getting into just, a weird space. I don't think it's even weird. I, I think it's just if you make a public space that the the goal of it is to get people outside, which is this not. But is this not a tragedy is, of the comet situation? Though? Well, it becomes one. But here's the thing: if your if your strategy for for mitigating the problems that come as a consequence of the good thing that is that because here's if people are coming for any reason at all, not even Pokemon Go, you'd still see more litter because litter is a function of the number of people that right. go to a thing, right? And yes. if there are people that tend to not go to parks, which are exactly the kind of people that parks should be trying to get to go to parks since that's their job, right? Then they don't know how to behave there. And so if you say, hmm, 
how do we solve this problem? I know. Let's sue this company that's bringing people to our <laughs> party. Dumb Instead of saying, hey, how do we teach people to just behave better, right? And it's, so, it's interesting because it, it, it's, uh, it's certainly been, been casted by this particular area as a as a problem. Right? Yeah, as a new right? right? Yeah. Like, oh, all these people are using the park that we built for them to use. <laughs> yeah. How dare they? Yeah, it's interesting these- though, right? And then I think this is... Yeah, this I mean, is- because a whole economy can spring. Because like, the example we had before this was, you know, like the impacts of of companies putting out a lure to bring people mm-hmm. into their bars and stuff, yeah. right? It's like this or is you're getting a, this to is sell your house for an extra 10 grand because right. it's yeah, exactly. next to two yeah, Pokemon. This is a park <laughs> in a town that people now are going to more. Right. There are now there's just there's more foot traffic, which means there are more economic opportunities. There's more opportunities for networking, more opportunities for various kinds of events that could stimulate something in, in the town that this thing is in. Unless you just say, nah, not man suited. Yeah, I think it's I think it's human nature to look at changes just as problems. Right. Yeah. So like it's easy to just be like, oh, fuck. Now there's all this litter instead of saying, oh, look, there's all these people here. What can we do mm-hmm. to, you know, make this even better now? And then put up some funny, not the problem is like, these are the same fucking people who then put up a sign that in very angry terms tells you exactly what not to do or we're going to yeah. fine you X number yeah. of dollars. <laughs> make it an unwelcoming place. Yeah. Right? Instead of making a place where they just make jokes about the fucking Pokestops that are there and make jokes about how nice it would be if you clean your shit uh, up. A little cart, you know, set up a little cart sell the same things you would sell in a pokemon game yeah just staff it with a, like a teenager you know yeah. yeah staff it with a teenager boom yeah. right. what they should be doing is now selling permits for people to sell stuff in that park right because right. then those permits feed into the park's financial resources anyway so they can they basically I mean, this thing is when you have all these people coming to use this resource where the commons are what pay for that resource you can find additional ways to do that so that you can easily easily offset what is undoubtedly a very minor additional cost yeah. uh to this to this park by just recognizing that you can and fucking doing it and then instead you could look at this as an opportunity to get to hire some more people yeah so you could be like oh now it's more expensive to run this place but we also have more money to run it Problem solved. So the problem is solved, and then we got to hire people as a consequence and make other people's lives better. Yeah, so this is pretty new. Or you can try is this, to this is pretty new development. Right? Yeah, I just read it today. Yeah, so we'll see. Just like the WoW thing, we'll see where this goes. Um, but yeah, Idiots. so let's get on to some questions. <laughs> Those questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. If you want to get your question on the podcast, you can come and ask uh, with your Bscotch ID, or you can ask anonymously. I mean, we prefer for you to have a Bscotch ID. Yeah. yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll accept. We'll accept anonymous questions. I don't think we've answered any for a really long time. Yeah. Not for not for quite a while. Uh, all right, so first question comes from Kevin888, who, by the way, Kevin888 built a Flux Dabes action figure. Yeah. And mailed it to us. Yeah, it's awesome. Pretty fucking Sitting sweet. on my desk. It was amazing. It's the only thing on my desk besides my equipment. Yeah. Uh, Kevin888 says... If given the chance and resources to make a licensed game, would you do it? Are there any IPs you'd be interested mm. in or have ideas for? No. No. Nah. <laughs> uh, the thing is, once, no. You, once you license somebody else's IP, you are now governed by whatever rules that go along with now that Now you have a client. You have a client. And having a client means you don't get to do what is, what is best for your company or what is best for your players or just what you want. There's a ton of business overhead, too, of yep. just sort of... Um, it would no longer be the case. So, so for the current game we're working on, you know, let's say we go, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we developed a new type of character you can play as. So we brainstorm on it for 20 minutes. We throw some art together. And within a few hours, we have a character that we can now animate and put in the game. Boom, we're done. Right. If, if we were licensing, say like a Marvel game or something, uh, there's no chance yeah, that we could come up universe. with a character. You okay. know, we would have, we would only be able to use characters that they have. Uh, and, and also like you would license individual characters. And this is yeah. a joke in the, in the Deadpool movie mm-hmm. where um, there's these two X-Men that keep showing up all over the place in Deadpool. Right. And then they're like sub sub. They're like quality. way low tier characters <laughs> yeah. that never appear in pretty much anything. And and Deadpool cracks some joke about how the studio couldn't get enough funding to get any more than the the two crappiest X Men. Right? <laughs> right. Um, and, but that's the way it works. And this is actually why, for example, the Spider Man movies have done generally pretty badly. And now finally, Spider Man is sort of being rolled back into the Marvel universe. It's because of licensing problems, yep. right? Where like Spider Man as a character alone was licensed off to some other studio um, and was not then part of the the normal. Marvel Cinematic Universe until now. And so uh, once once you get into these uh, licensed IP 
territories, then things get really sticky and there's a lot of negotiations yeah, well, and a lot if, of politic politics. The point and, is just to be able to make stuff, um, which is our goal, is just to make a lot of stuff, then it doesn't actually make any sense for us to do licensing because it adds a tremendous amount of general business fuckery yeah. to what we're trying to and do. It, and it's purely, it's at that point, it's purely a financial mechanism, yeah. right? Um, as in, oh no, we have no money. We need to reach out to some other company and have them pay us to make it. Like we can make games, um, but we don't know if people will pay us for our games. We know people will pay for a Star Wars game, mm-hmm. right? So we'll talk to Disney. They'll license us a Star Wars IP, a very specific proportion of it, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll we'll uh, make the game. Well, the other thing with these license agreements too is that they they tend they have they they have to have many mechanisms by which your work can just be destroyed, right? Because if if you were to manage to somehow get a Star Wars license from Disney, right, to, to work on a game or something, that, without a doubt, is going to include some terms where they can say, if we decide we don't like what you made, it never sees the light of day, right? You'll still probably get paid for it to at least most, of, most of what you uh, put into it for development. Um, but then maybe not. depends on the agreement, right? Uh, but in any event, you get to now spend years of your life making a thing in, like, a universe you love, following the set of strict rules that keep on being dictated from above, fighting battle after battle to get the game to be what you want only to turn around and they're like, nah, well, actually (laughs) some, some large uh, production companies with their, you know, big portfolios of different IPs and characters and stuff. What they'll do when they want a game made is they will, they will hire out, say like five different small game studios. And they'll say, we want you to make a game about this. And And those studios don't know that the other studios, those studios don't know the other studios are there and they'll, they'll give them the same specs, the same contract, the same requirements. And they basically just do sort of like a reality show style, like, you know, pack your knives, you're going home situation where they'll, they'll have these milestones that, you know, three months, six months, whatever. And, and whichever studio is performing the worst just gets axed. You know, they just, their contract gets canceled. And by the time it's done, they'll have a finished game that, you know, yeah. That works well, and nobody else's game nobody sees the light of day. Yeah, it's, so, it's one of those things that from weird. from the outside as a fan, it sounds awesome in like in your head to think, oh, I love say like Zelda, right? Yeah, in that series, and be like, it would be so cool if someday I could contribute to that universe, that that set of things that I love, right? But the the reality of doing that is nothing like <laughs> what that sounds like it would be. It's not know? just it's not just like you're not doing, designing it. You're not you know you're well. It's not just it's not like doing fan art, right? Where you're just yeah. like, you get to go and have a good time with the characters yeah. to enjoy. And, and literally do whatever you want because- It's going to be a lot of rules. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's unlikely that somebody will come after you, right? Yeah. And actually, a lot of people don't know this. We talk about this a lot in the studio too. Um, uh, but like even things like most fan art is technically an infringement of some sort or another. Of a trademark. Of or, a f- yeah. trademark typically. Um, but companies know, like they don't want to go after their fans, right? So they tend not to, but sometimes they still do. And it's not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not hurting anybody if somebody like knits a Zelda sweater and sells it on Etsy or something, right. you know? But if you uh, start selling it on your mega website and start selling you, it to yeah, tens of thousands of people, yeah. then if you are opening up a sweatshirt warehouse, then you're going to need to pay some licensing uh, fees. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, the, the kind of the world that everybody, like true fans of things live in is, is the one where they cannot know about any of the details of like, of the, legal. Bru- the brutal legal <laughs> reality of this stuff. And, st- and then have a blast sort of in, in putting their own vision into the, to the thing that they're, they're a fan of. Uh, but once you get to the level where um, somebody would consider licensing a thing to you, like once you're operating at that level where something that you think is awesome also thinks you're awesome enough to do that. Uh, the rules are very, very different. Lawyer up. Strongly enforced. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I love anything enough to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I absolutely do not. There's no fandom I'm a part of. Yeah. No. That. Just make our own stuff. Yeah. All right. So I next question comes enough. from Degeki. And this one's good. This one's Mike. Well, okay. Just just gonna, I'm just going to go. <laughs> All right. Degeki says. Personal practice question. I don't know what that means, but mm-hmm. that's what he said. Regarding world slash country slash local news, how do you balance keeping informed with mm. news fatigue? Interesting. So we've actually, I mean, this has been a thing. Probably for a, everybody. Uh, for the, well, basically since just before November 8th, I guess. <laughs> um yeah. Where it's, it seems like there's a lot of things happening that are really big and important. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it's really easy to feel like you have to constantly be 
seeing what people are tweeting about it, read all the YouTube comments, mm-hmm. go to the, go to various subreddits, you know, and read what people you know, are I, saying about I think things. About this, think about this kind of like what you're talking about with the artifact power problem with World of Warcraft. You don't want to be drip fed anything. There are, very, right. there are very few things, aside from like morphine if you're in the hospital. There are, there are very few things in life that are better to be drip fed than it is to just get them in a bundle. Yeah, like you don't want to be drip fed to M&M's. You just want to grab a handful and just cram that um, right into, your, into your gullet. More importantly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, news, I think, and controlling news is the same, in my opinion, as as controlling your your exposure to like Twitter or Reddit, whatever else. It's all the same shit at the end of the day because the reality is people talking about stuff and well i think the the really important consideration is that it's always uh negative because news is of a negative quality it's going to be of a negative quality anger anger is an easily shared emotion yeah well more importantly i think it's it's human nature to look at whatever bad is happening first because that's what's important for you to be aware of um you know if everything's going great most people most people don't take stock of their lives when everything's going great Nobody goes on the internet like, hey, just want to let everybody know things are fine today. <laughs> Doesn't happen. Woke so, up, I just had some breakfast. It's good. I wonder if that person does. Everybody thinks that guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, back. Quit bragging. <laughs> Nobody cares about your amazing life, Steve. So, so I think it's, it's important <laughs> to note that uh, news is going to skew negative. Twitter also going to skew negative. Reddit, literally everything's going to skew negative. Um, and with that in mind, that uh, that it's going to be not a good time for you to to have to go to these things. Uh, and then also keep in mind that a drip feed mechanism to get these things. So if, if that means you're literally on Twitter all the time, which some people are or Reddit, or if you're uh, skimming the New York times every two hours or something, um, it's literally just going to fuck up your day and news happens quickly. And especially with, uh, with this administration appears to be happening very quickly. Um, but keeping track of what uh, an idiot says on Twitter is not a really good use of your time because the reality is uh, the the fallout from any one of those things is something that you can hear about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, the question is it's about asynchronous information, right? Correct. And so I want to add on to this, the negative part, uh, which what I think is actually even more important, which is that news today is, is information poor, right? It's emotion rich. It's emotion rich, but it's not even emotion rich necessarily. Like if you're, if you're reading it on Twitter, yeah, absolutely. Well, but if you're reading yeah, on like, like CNN and that kind of stuff, right? You're saying so, so in other words, the, cause the fact is that they'll say like breaking this thing just happened. Right. And they'll give you the only tiny thing that they know and then speculate for like 10 paragraphs. Right. right? And then every hour, like on the hour, they update and add some new speculation and maybe some additional actual information, but that information is coming secondhand, thirdhand, whatever, you know. And so when a news story breaks, then it takes a solid like day to weeks for the actual true series of events and what matters about that to be sort of solidified into something that is just summarized. And for the the dust cloud of rage or grief right. or whatever it is. Right. To get to the other side of it. To to yeah, for the facts to emerge from the, right. from so the dust. So if you if you care about what's happening in the world, then you basically to me you have basically two options. One is if you intend to act on every single piece of potentially uh, useful information about something you think is important, right? Uh, and then, yeah, then you got to keep your pulse on it, mm-hmm. right? I'm not really sure what person there could be for whom that would be useful to do. If it's but, your job, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it's, and if it's your job. Although, if that's your job, you tend to be the person creating the problem in the first place. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and and by acting on it, it could mean, you know, you need to respond in some way because of a, of a legal complication or whatever. But the fact is, most of the things that happen to, to us, um, that impact us, uh, do so slowly mm-hmm. over time. Uh, even things that seem like they're immediate and enormously threatening, um, such as many of the decisions that the current administration is making. Uh, they realistically, even if they do end up being really bad, um, it's still going to take more than a day, right, for, for this shit to actually hit you in a way that you need to act on. Yeah, so my I approach is if I can't act on it and it doesn't contain useful information, don't fucking pay attention. Then it's not news and it's, it's not, not information. News. It's nothing. Well, yeah, it's wait until you can noise. get a summarized report of like the whole fucking thing. Yeah, and this brings up an interesting, uh, an interesting role, I think, for actual newspapers that are printed, uh, which is that they're essentially, they're not going to be the updated bits and pieces. Um, yeah. Because they come out slower. So they have time to think about things. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the point is that you don't, you know, being updated on a, on a daily basis is in my opinion, like if you get a, if you get like a USA Today or uh, 
you know, New York Times or something like yeah, that. Well, find some trustworthy source of information whose goal isn't to have as much information as possible. Yeah, and then just uh, in in limiting your your exposure to it in a way that feels good and makes sense. Which like I like I don't know if anybody listening to this actually reads a physical newspaper, but it's actually pretty enjoyable to sit down and read a newspaper. Um, it's not like reading shit on the internet. Um, and there's no comment section. There's no comment thankfully. section. And then you can, you can <laughs> and then you can finish it. You can you can read yeah, it. You can read the entire news yeah. and then close it and throw yeah. it in the trash and move on. I got so, the news. Yeah. I'm done now. So I think um so I think that's that's the thing is that you know this this idea of staying informed while also not losing your mind. This is a new problem. Yeah, well, and and remember that reading stuff that people are saying is not equivalent to staying informed. Yes, and that's exactly what I, the the distinction I'd like to make, which is that uh, you can stay informed by reading the news once per day, mm-hmm. or once per couple of days, um, and that's just a fact. Or so once you, a week, you don't you don't need the daily informed bits. Yeah, you're yeah. you're not, and I think importantly, you're not becoming fatigued just because of how much news you're consuming. What you're fatigued by is just how much to, how much stuff you're consuming. Right? How you're, much garbage you're waiting yeah, for? Yeah, like there's only so much news. And what what you're what you're getting bogged down by is the other crap that comes along with internet news, mm-hmm. comment sections, subreddits, Twitter, face you know angry aunts and uncles on Facebook retweeting yep. some weird piece of conspiracy. And this is why I mean yeah. this is why I absolutely prefer to to get my news with a time delay via podcasts from trustworthy sources that you know just like dig into something interesting that are that are relatively current that way i can i can just kind of know about stuff that's been happening right uh and for for more up to the moment news i just like to watch super time limited like daily tv shows like the daily show mm-hmm. right because they will tell you what's happening they'll, they'll make a bunch of happening. dumb jokes about it right but, but they they're going to summarize basically kind of the important stuff and they've already done the work of weeding out all the bullshit noise for right. you right so that they can and, just give you the salient yeah. points and it is the case that um just a uh, thing about what somebody said earlier, Adam, about most things taking some time before they affect you. There are certain things that that already have happened, like the travel ban, for example, yeah. that uh, yep. that do not take any time right. to affect people. Um, but the thing is that if you if you live if you have a social circle at all of more than like four people, you'll hear um, about it. You will hear about it pretty yeah. much immediately. Yeah. Um, and there's there's in other words, you can. You can stay informed actively and passively in two different ways, and mm-hmm. having a good network of of friends who have diverse backgrounds and stuff will keep you informed of the things that are active that are actively happening that you might be able to go, you know, Act get on. involved in protests and that's sort of yep. Yeah. So yeah. So be just like we talked about last week, be deliberate. Mm-hmm. Don't don't passively just get you know spritzed <laughs> in the face with news mm-hmm. crap. You can avoid absolutely any news resource whose job it is to provide quote unquote news. At all, at every moment of every just day. Just constantly. Yeah. That's good newspaper. It's a bunch of nonsense. Advice. Yeah. All right. So, next question comes from BaboTube. Yeah, that's good. BaboTube says Butterscotch Shenanigans is a full on actual business. This is a fact. So, why don't you sell stock on the stock market? If you do, tell us about it. <laughs> well, there's, mm. I guess Seth could probably best get yeah. to the detail, but. I guess this this comes to some confusion that that by just being a business you're you're like part of that yeah so, public ecosystem. Which, so in order to yeah. sell stock uh, directly on the stock market, there's a lot there's a lot to it. But I think um, so. There's there's two points here. One is why does a company sell stocks? To get money. Greed. Yes. Yeah. To just have money. I would say right? it's for greed per se. Um, and actually, but we for capital. What, any for other, sure. Yeah. But what's the difference? It's, sure. it's to gain, it's to gain <laughs> capital in the form of, so, so if, if you're, if you're a company, you have three ways to make money. One is to actually do the thing that your company is for, mm-hmm. right? So if you're like, we make video games, then you make some video games and then you sell them and you yep. get some money, right? So that's one way to get money. Another way is, is to take on some liabilities. In other words, get some loans. Get some debt. Go to the bank, say, hey, we need some more money to make this game. Yeah. And then have them say no, and then go somewhere else and try to tell you find somebody. So so this makes sense if you if you are the type of company where you you have fairly predictable things in your future and you're like, okay, if we built this new factory based on market conditions, blah, 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 we think that it, we could make an extra 30% uh, you know, income next year. And so if we take out this loan now at a certain interest rate, then it's, a, do it's a good, yeah, just yeah. do the math. And you're like, yeah, you know, based on the factors we know, it's a good investment. Mm-hmm. So you get the money now, you build your thing, you pay the loan back and you're good, right? Um, so that's, 
That's way number two to get money. Way number three is to get money in the form of equity, which is where you sell stocks. So you basically, you sort of like carve up the soul of your company, right? Mm -hmm. Into little pieces and you just start handing them out for cash. And the weird thing is that what you see for stock prices, like let's say you look at a, at a share of Google stock. And a share of Google stock, I don't know how much it's worth now, maybe like $1,000 or $1,500 or something. Bunch. Um, those shares, Google did not get $1,500 for each of those shares. What nope. they got was probably more like $500 or $400. Um, because what, their IPO. Yeah, so whenever, whenever a company uh, does a, a sale of, of stock, then whatever is their share price at the time, that's what the company can do. So if Google sells a million shares now, then they would get whatever, you know, $1.5 billion, right? Mm -hmm. So now they just have this big influx of cash, but they also have a new thing, mm. which is shareholders. Yep. So, <laughs> so uh, what you're going to have with shareholders is now all of a sudden you are no longer in charge of your company. Because not fully anyway. Yeah, because what those 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 uh, those stocks are not just pieces of paper. Those are pieces of your company that other people get to have and own. And if somebody owns, say, you know, twenty percent of your company, then they they should they probably will have a seat at the board of directors, and they can, for example, fire you. If they don't, if they yep. don't think that you're doing a good enough job of making them money, yeah. Because remember, that is your job for shareholders. Yeah. So once once your company goes public, your your function as a company is not. So like if you started as if you started as a game development studio, um, once you go public, you're no longer a game development studio. You're an investment, mm -hmm. right? And so all the people who bought shares, they don't they don't care. They don't give a fuck how many video games you made. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't know anything about the games you're making, whatever. You're part of their investment portfolio. And your company now exists to provide quarterly returns. Yep. That's why you exist now. And so uh, all of your decisions will now be run through that filter of and in maximizing fact, shareholder value. Your shareholders can turn around and sue you if they think that you're not acting in their best financial interest to make as much money for them. Yes, as because you now have a fiduciary responsibility <laughs> to be a good investment mm -hmm. for the people who put their money into So if you company. can't tell, we don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in large don't. part, in large part, because uh, again, it shifts the focus. So our goal right now is to make games. And our goal also is to create a really cool and fun uh, work culture and workplace. Which means we have to take some risks. We have to take risks and we have to do a lot of things that uh, don't necessarily make any sense on either a short term uh, on a short-term or shorter-term uh, basis when it comes to finances. So uh, quarterly reports as a general thing mean that ideally you're showing growth quarter by quarter. Some things, uh, frankly, take years, months uh, to figure out how to do and to execute effectively and then to see the results. Mm -hmm. uh, and you see well, this as a game studio, all of our money comes from the product release, right? Mm -hmm. So, which may take a year or two to, to build, to build. And then we see all its profits within one quarter and then it's guaranteed that our profits go back down again. Right. right? So, so it's a weird business to try to sell to people anyway. Mm -hmm. And we don't have, we've said it before on the podcast, I think, but the primary, the primary goal of this studio is not to make shit loads of money. Um, if it does happen, it's cool. That's cool. But that's not, but that's not, why that's not what we're optimizing for. Um, and we've talked about this for like, we're not making free to play games. We, I mean, it's just with the level of skill that all of us have in terms of making games and statistical knowledge and thinking about stuff. Uh, I, I would frankly just say that it's not the case that we couldn't successfully pull off making a free to play title if we wanted to. Um, it's very difficult, but I think like at least like a middlingly successful one, which would probably be way more monetarily uh, rewarding than something like a premium game. That's an RPG. Um, it's not the case that we wouldn't be able to work toward having a successful free to play title. But that's, that's not, the not point. what we're interested in. <laughs> um, but if we were only here for the cash monies, um, we would probably have to be somewhat interested in it um, or interested in just, just a lot of other aspects of the business side of things that we don't necessarily care about. And that's the important thing is that if you go public, uh, whatever it is that your vision is for the company, if it's not along monetary lines, well, too bad. Specifically, short-term monetary yeah. lines. Mm -hmm. You got to you got to sacrifice all kinds of things. And, and also, honestly, uh, you know, you hear about a huge company, maybe it has like ten thousand people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we need to we need to lay off uh, two thousand people." Right? Why are they doing that? Why does it always happen at the end of the? Yeah, uh, they're doing that because you have to pay people. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways, like let's say let's say as a company, you've you've done a lot of work, you have your ten thousand people, you've established a lot of you know supply chains, and you've got 
your factories are working, whatever, and you look at the numbers and you're just like, well, everything is running smoothly. And we think if we kind of knocked down our, our, our crew, you know, to more of like a skeleton crew in our various factories or whatever, we could still probably make the same number of widgets mm-hmm. and sell them, but we just wouldn't have to pay as many people. Yeah. I mean, sure. We'll overwork the remaining people basically to the bone, but think but about it the, is a skeleton crew, but think yeah. about exactly. <laughs> but think about the shareholders. Mm-hmm. We're going to make a lot of shareholder value because now all of a sudden we're making so much more profit because we're not spending as much money on people. So that's why layoffs happen. That's why you see entire offices get shut down and sent off, you know, sent uh, to other countries. Uh, Not because they think, oh, yeah, this is going to be super good for our company. They think it's going to be good for our shareholders because now we're just paying people less for the same work. Or because you're... The, the long, so, so, or so you run into an economic situation because of like a global depression or something like that, right? Where now you're guaranteed that for a while your profits have to go down. One thing you can do is if that starts dipping below it, even your revenue, so that now all of a sudden you can't even break even, then that can become a serious, serious problem and you do have to fire people. Right? Yep. But if all it's doing is eating into your profit, then you have two decisions there. One is you can say, well, we're Which in again, there's never enough profit. Right. For right. a publicly traded company, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. never enough. There's never right. enough. So then you have to decide, okay, well, do we try to ride this out, watch our profits dwindle, but keep our, keep everybody on board, uh, keep the company moving, maybe try to move it into some other paths that are more stable, whatever. Or do we just start firing people to make it so that our profit margin doesn't drop as fast or even goes back up? And so now that's the decision you have to make. So instead of trying to ride out a storm, which is then what we would do, like if we had economic hard times, we'd be like, all right, how do we keep everybody on board even if we basically make literally no money, right, for the foreseeable future. And then we would prefer to take that path than the one where we just say, all right, fuck it. Everybody's fired. Everybody's fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The no. It changes your answer. it changes your priorities and we we like our priorities. Yeah. They're good. They're pretty good. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for the question. It was a, it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been a coffee with butterscotch. And uh, like I said earlier, if you want to get your questions answered on the podcast, just head over to podcast.bscotch.net. And ask cool. with your bscotch ID or anonymously. And uh, that's all we got for you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.